The Morning Struggle podcast is brought to you by Blue Clover Therapy, a mental health counseling practice in Salt Lake City, Utah. Visit www.bluecloverTherapy.com for more information. Blue Clover Therapy, because your mental health deserves a specialist. Welcome to the Morning Struggle Podcast, where we take habits of successful people and break them down one at a time into history, science, and action plan so you can implement them into your life to build a better you. Stay tuned. This is why we can't do live shows, because we have a hard time thinking about what to say at the very beginning of the show. Yeah. I've kind of, I've, I've wanted to analyze that, why we are unable to riff on a whim. Because we're not chatty people. Maybe. We're very logical people. Maybe all the love is just drained from the marriage. You don't have anything to talk about anymore. No, other than your foot and coffee. That's, that's, kind, of, <laughs> that's kind of true. <laughs> oh, it's just the way marriage goes, right? It's just really busy right now and everybody's sick. Like I'm currently sick, yeah, so but just how life is. But Let's just get right into it. Let's do let's it. Let's just talk about <laughs> the Morning Struggle Podcast. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Yes. I'm Ty. I am Jesse. And we're bringing you Successful Habits. And we try to implement them. Hopefully you try to implement them. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're building better better use. So let's talk real quick. We've got a lot of successful habits that we've done so far. Yeah, we've got 30-something habits. Yeah, it's been cool. That's a lot. That's kind of overwhelming, to be honest with you. Well, it's not. you're not implementing them all at the same time. Right. And right. so real quick, let's touch on what to do if you're new to the show. You know, or you've you've got a lot of unused or unlistened episodes, mm-hmm. and maybe like a like a program, like a plan, like how you should implement this. Right. So first thing to know that a habit takes somewhere between three and six weeks yeah. to stick. Mm-hmm. So, and we give one about every other week. We take some some breaks and some season breaks, but we kind of give you one. We try to give you one every week, and that's that's too probably too much to handle. Right. right. So you should probably take take a habit. And really focus on that for that three weeks, whether that's waking up early. And it's not the time you wake up. It's the space, the amount of time you have before you have to start your day. Yeah, because you still need to sleep. You still need to sleep. Sleep is very important. So just because you say, well, I got to wake up at five. But if you get home from work at seven at night and you only have a few hours with your family in your bed by 11, don't wake up at five. That's not enough sleep. Right. You know, but if you don't have to get to work till later in the day, just give yourself a few hours. It allows you to, to, to maybe do some yoga in the morning, a journal entry, to take some time for yourself. Where to, you can actually implement other skills that right. we've discussed. Because yeah. we don't want to wake up, jump in the shower, and then rush to work. Sure. That, that's what we're trying to avoid with the early morning wake up. But anyway, anyway I, I digress. We want to essentially uh, take a habit and then mm-hmm. try to implement for that, that three to six, five or six weeks mm-hmm. and, and let it stick. Because if you do, oh, I'm going to wake up at five, and then you start waking up at five for a week, and they're like, oh, now I'm going to journal, and you start journaling. Next thing you know, you've got 15 habits that are just overwhelming because they're right. not habits. Yeah. You know, they're, they're conscious efforts. And so, so maybe, you know, listen through them, but pick a few that you want or want to listen to, pick a few habits you want to try and really just focus on that, you know, for the next, you know, 30 days or, or three or five weeks, I am going to meditate every day. Mm-hmm. And then before you know it, it's just a habit and you feel bad if you don't do it. It's one, you know. Or it feels weird. It feels, it feels weird awkward to not do it. If you yeah. say, you know, because usually like everybody here, let's say you shower every morning. 
And when you don't shower in the morning, you, you feel it. You're like, oh, I can't go out in the world. I haven't showered today. This was rough. Whether you're stinky or not, yeah. it doesn't really matter. It doesn't it's matter. Just it's just it, the feeling and the habit of the shower. It, yeah, it changed the routine. So anyway, maybe that's what we should do or, or how you should approach the morning struggle. So anyway, but if, but if you have been with us from the beginning, thank you so much. Yeah, you guys are great. You guys are awesome. And hopefully these habits have really, really boosted your productivity um, and we'll, we'll talk about some happiness ones, I think, in the future. Yeah. Because everybody focuses on success and kind of that, that surface material success. Well, but we are also talking about just general well-being. Right. And su- being, feeling successful in that, not right. necessarily income or so, stuff. Yeah. So maybe in the future, in the, so a few, few, few future episodes, we'll talk about how to be successful inside your head, happiness, that kind of stuff. Right. We'll dive into that. But today... What are we talking about? We're talking about daydreaming. We're talking about daydreaming. Which is all in your head. Which is all in your head. So this <laughs> is kind of a more introspective one. Yeah. So is daydreaming good or bad? Oh, we'll get into it. We don't, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm a daydreamer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you're a planner too. They so call pl- me a dreamer, but I'm not. Oh, stop. That was <laughs> an office. Was that office? Anyway, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't even think I can say that. I'll get copyright infringement. But we're going to talk about daydreaming. So. Real quick, we'll go into the history of some. I couldn't find daydreaming specifically. I know. I feel bad bringing these we'll, to the table. We'll, to go, be like, in, Good we'll luck. go into some situations with dreaming with quotation marks. And then we'll talk about the science of dreaming. And then we'll kind of implement an action plan to be successful at or not daydreaming. That's right. This day in history. So this morning, we're going to talk about a few instances in history. Mm hmm. Where dreams led to scientific break, scientific. It's it's so gigantic. It's scientific <laughs> to gigantic breakthroughs in science and evolution. I'm gonna use of, that word moving forward. Yeah, of, of of societal science. Okay, so let's start off. Let's just break right into it. The man himself, Albert Einstein. Okay. Apparently. The, this is from Reader, Reader's Digest. Apparently, the theory of relativity mm-hmm. came to Albert Einstein in a dream. Oh. Yeah, he was telling a farmer about cows being surrounded by an electric fence, but then the farmer saw something different. Einstein awakened to the realization that the same event could vary from different perspectives, the theory of relativity. Oh. Yeah. So oh, I love that. It's pretty cool. And then he came on. You know, and it was about cows? Like he was dreaming about cows. Yeah, it had nothing to do with astrophysics. It was actually about cows. Yeah, and then those astrophysics like, we well, can apply this to it? I was just kidding. <laughs> um, the periodic, periodic table. Mm-hmm. So um, Dmitry Mendeleev was, um, he, he's a Russian chemist, and he developed the periodic table. And he was exhausted from days of working on this project. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine this whole thing. Went to, and, and again, like we talked about the other, a lot of these... These scientists, they want to get be the first one to get something, right? So, so they, it's not published before them. So they just they work themselves to the bone. But he decided to get some sleep, and in his dream, he saw a table, and all the elements fell into place. Oh! So then he woke up, he wrote down on a piece of paper frantically, and now every kid in high school hates him. <laughs> so the next, thank you, sir. Yeah, um, uh, Elias Howe invented the sewing machine. And again, he was exhausted from his attempts that could stitch together fabric. Because uh-huh. you got to think about it. A sewing machine is pretty incredible. Because you, you got to right. go from both sides of the fabric from one side of the fabric. Yeah. It's I, for me, because I, I sew. You just, do sew. Disclaimer, I, don't, I, I have a sewing sew. machine. 
I can you hand sew. You hand sew because you're from the 1700s. I am a pioneer. Um, but I do the sewing machine. Yeah. And it's it fascinates me every time. You're like, but what? In, anyway, um, he fell asleep, um, and then he he had his little eureka moment. Um, and the, the so so he his idea. Let me start that again. Um, how got the idea to pass the thread through the point of the needle instead of the end of the needle? Oh, yeah. So that's how that's how the sewing machine works. Anyway, the next one. Now, now I'm gonna sit there and think about how a sewing machine works. If if you think about it that way, it's fascinating and it's it's really interesting. And you wanna you wanna learn how it works. Uh, the model of the atom. Okay. So we don't really see the atom, right? Unless with an electron microscope, right? So that big picture well, of, hanging out, of the looking the, at Adam. the nucleus and then the electron is spinning around it, right? That's pretty foreign for us because we can't see it. So in 1922, a Danish physicist Niels Bohr received the Nobel Prize for Physics because he conceived the model of the atom, oh. and he was sleeping when he had the vision of planets attached to pieces of string circling the sun, and he said that's probably it. And so he envisioned it, woke up, and then uh, then did his his revolution. Oh, it's, yeah! Revolution. Yeah, it was a science revolution. He was born. He got an revolution. award, so that's pretty yeah. good. And then let's do the last one. You ready? Yeah. The song yesterday, the Beatles. What? Yeah, the Beatles song yesterday. So uh, Paul McCartney and, and John Lennon, they say a ton of their songs are um, inspired by dreams. Was it dreams or was it drugs? I'm, I'm guessing drugs. Or a little bit of, well, I, maybe a little bit of both because you can get in kind of that daydream Maybe they're doing drugs state. in their sleep. <laughs> there you go. So, but yesterday was inspired by a dream. Um, John Lennon said dream number nine, I think it's called dream number nine, um, was inspired by a dream. It had that weird phrase in it. And that weird phrase came from one of John Lennon's dreams. What? Pretty eccentric eccentric dudes but pretty impressive dudes no that's very cool well with that many hits and everything you got to channel that those dreams yeah that's pretty amazing so anyway there you go that's uh that's the uh world-class changing ideas that is that's really remarkable and you got to think that this is very rare that this would happen but these people are noting that they obviously have pads of paper by their bed I need a I need a you, pe- like paper by my bed so I can write it down. You need to do that, but I mean, I'm talking. This happens a lot. Analytical ge- geometry came from dreams. The book Frankenstein came to dreams. What? Song Satisfaction, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, um, Kubla Khan. All these, and all I'm these books run- came from dreams. The Jungle Book, Upton Sinclair. What? Um, not Upton Sinclair. Um, the Jungle Book um, came from a dream. So anyway, wow. And I'm just sitting in here. Walking downtown in my underwear. Yeah, exactly. Like, Where, where's our creative like, dreams? Boom. Like, wake up and be like, oh, I think I'm going to win the Nobel Peace Prize tomorrow because of my yeah. dream. This is perfect. This is- I wake up and go, I, I think I need to see a psychiatrist. <laughs> I have some a medication. <laughs> so. Oh, man. Anyway, those are, those are some situations with dreams. So, should we get into the science of day? Now, we're talking about daydreaming. We're talking about daydreaming, but, but daydreaming and dreaming... They kind of blend, and I'll tell you why. Okay, so let's get into the science of what dreaming and daydreaming does to our brain. Okay, so the average person daydreams, and here you go. Here's the big, wildly different versions of research. 13 minutes a day, or... 
three hours a day. That's crazy different. Yeah. So it kind of depends on how you're defining daydreaming. So you could be daydreaming if you're like about to go into a sleep state is the way that some of this was done. Or if you're in already in like a, a an awake daytime state, but then you're zoning out. Our typical zone out daydream. So yeah. If, so we don't know the definition of daydreaming. Yeah. So research That's is, is okay. yeah is way over. So it's not that you know one person's doing thirteen minutes, one is doing three hours. It's that we just don't have don't a definition, have definition for it. Okay. Yeah. Um. So the top things that we daydream about is endless money or resources. Oh, like we we're driving our Lamborghinis and our mansions mm-hmm. on our yachts, or like having massive amounts of food, or having massive amounts of pets, or like yay, wouldn't it be fun to be like rolling around in puppies? Of, oh, okay. Like, Not like I'm the old cat lady with 82 no, cats in my apartment. Like if you had a bunch of puppies. Okay. Like they were licking I have done that before too. Okay. <laughs> okay. Or new identities, like being a superhero or a spy. Sure. That's really unrealistic. Sure. Right? Right. Now, productive daydreaming is to-do lists and problem solving. So it really has nothing to do with endless resources and being a superhero because you're not going to be either one of those more than likely. Okay. Right. So, so there's a difference between just kind of enjoyable daydreaming and then productive daydreaming. So it's like difference between like going and watching a mindless movie mm-hmm. and reading a how-to book on improving your finances. Yes. They're both still fairly entertainment based. Yeah. But so one daydreaming, I'm a superhero on my yacht, you know, dancing with puppies. <laughs> and then the other one I'm daydreaming about maybe how to increase my productivity at work. Right. Okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, so th- there's two different kinds. So um, Dr. Delaney, he's the, from the University of North Carolina. He does a lot of really good research on this, um, is that he found a couple of different things that are really interesting. Um, what, as we get older, we don't, we don't daydream as much. Yeah, I don't daydream as much as I used to. Yeah. So when you're a little kid, you feel like you have, or even like a teenager, you feel like you have endless amounts of time. Um, and so you tend to daydream more about future things. What it be like if you became a rock star versus a scientist versus whatever. And, um, they also found this with, um, if you like suicidal ideation, if you truly believe that you're not going to be around in the next year, right. Then you don't tend to daydream either because you don't feel like you have time. Oh, okay. Does that make sense? So if we feel like we have time, we're more likely to daydream about the things, the possibilities that could happen there. And what's really interesting is that you forget information you learned if you're daydreaming about the past versus the future. So if I gave you a list of words... Explain that one. Yeah. If I gave you a list of words to memorize, for example, and then I had you daydream about past events, Mm -hmm. you know, good or bad, where you're daydreaming about like telling your boss what you really thought, you know, or whatever, um, you forget that list. That list is not needed because you're not forward thinking. Because so, you're thinking about past events. Is that because it's mixing up like memory recall? Yeah. So they think that's that's kind of what's happening. Because if you take that same list um, that's not useful in any way, it's just a list of words, and you forward think, your your memory system is creating that future and oh. creating that idea of the future. And so you don't know if you're going to need that list or not. So you tend to keep the list. Oh, okay. So versus the past, you don't need that list so to fantasize about that. It. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so they found this with like, um, uh, doctor students who are memorizing <laughs> the old doctor students. 
would that be? Medical students. Medical students. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, just I'm going a, to doctor school right now. <laughs> going to be a be a doctor. Yeah. Sorry. Um, sorry. Go on. So, doctor students. Yeah. Medical students. Yeah. Um, if they because they memorize a lot of different dosages for medications and such. Sure. Um, if they are thinking about past events, they'll forget that. But if they're thinking about the future slash how they could use that list, they'll remember it. They'll remember it, and so. The idea is that let's say that you're studying and you're cramming for a test the night before, try to fantasize using that information on the test itself. Oh, that's a really useful piece of information. Yeah. Or you're doing a presentation and you got to hit all your key points. Mm -hmm. Don't go back and think about when you invented those key points or how you use them in work. Think about in the future, like your presentation and you having to say that to bigger crowds or whatever it is. Yep, because it locks okay. it into several different memory systems that way because it believes that you have already used it. Okay, I'm right? going to use that, yeah. Which is, which is nuts to me. Um, we tend to, so this is Anthony Jack from Case Western Reserve. Okay, keep going. So, <laughs> so sorry. So we got with these boom mics and we're not supposed to touch them because they've got <laughs> springs on them. And they were really loud, but it's okay. Yep. We'll keep going. She, so, she got really, Jesse got really animated. I with use her my hands. hands sometimes and then it goes awry. For okay. those of you not li- watching us right now, I'm so sorry. just listening. Here you go. <laughs> so, Case Western Reserve University in um, Iowa. So, um, they found that the brain fully enmeshes in analytical daydreaming and emotional daydreaming. What, is, what does it mean, enmeshes? Enmeshes. So, it fully engulfs it, it's only one system at a time. So you can't have both. You can't be analytical. You don't tend to have both. Okay. So you tend to either be super emotional or super analytical. Right. So like if you're screaming at your boss, right, to give you a raise, that is purely emotional. Okay. If you're going over your talking points about why you deserve a raise, that is analytical and they don't tend to mix. That makes sense. And so that is where the power comes in with daydreaming is that you you can look at both sides of something and be able to fully engulf yourself in that. So you understand all of the, the, the nuances. It, yeah, all okay. of the little pieces and all of the issues that might come up in that way. Because as we function as people cruising through the world, we use both. Right. We're very, you can't be all emotional or you're having tantrums. You can't be all analytical or you're not connecting. Right. And you're not interacting with anybody. So that makes sense. Yeah. So daydreaming allows you to go to that extreme. Right. Okay. And so you can go to the extreme on both. And that is where this comes in where scientists and such need time to daydream because they can fully embrace themselves into this analytical version and then get those aha moments, right? Um, and then sense. the last, <laughs> I'm so sorry, I'm a mess. Um, lastly, when you are daydreaming, when you are in that daydream state, the, all of the warning factors that go on that tell you like someone's about to hit you in the face with a baseball. Those all go away. Those all go away. You lose so, your Peter Tingle. Yeah. The, 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 <laughs> we, we watched Spider-Man there. Now, I so. love it. The Peter Tingle. Yeah. You lose your Peter Tingle because it's like, you still can't say that, like, seriously. Yeah. Um, because you're, that system is not on. And so you are unaware of those things. That's why you, like, walk out into traffic yeah. without, without realizing it. Or you miss your bus stop. Or someone can, or like. you miss your exit if you're driving. You shouldn't daydream while driving. No. But, but someone can, like, hit you with a paper airplane. And you're like, whoa, what is going on? Um, and so what's interesting is you, you have to be in a safe state in order to daydream. So if you're in a survival mindset at all, if you're you know, about to go into surgery or something, you're not daydreaming then because your body feels like in order to get that daydream state, because literally the outside systems are off, you need to be, need to be safe. You need to put down your guard. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Makes sense. All right. Interesting yeah. stuff. Isn't that wild? That's awesome. Okay, so is there anything else with science? That is it. Okay, so let's do some quick coffee review, and then let's bring this back and talk about, I'm guessing, productive daydreaming. Yeah, how are we going to make this work for us? All right, let's do it. I drank pots and pots and pots and pots of strong black coffee, trying to keep my sleepy soul awake. But the sleepiness still comes along And when it does, it's fast and strong I end up with a bad case of the shakes Are we going to talk about coffee now? We're going to talk about coffee now. I have got to say that I have made the worst cup of coffee this morning. It's not good, which... Is this the normal cup of coffee we've it's, had? It's the normal... I don't know what I did. I, I'm, I'm not feeling great, so I feel like my attention to detail is not super great, but... Mm. This has got a. This is a particularly bad cup of coffee. Right. Well, let's talk about that. That happens to a lot of people. Let's. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about in coffee segment. Oh today. no, joke. Yeah, no joke. It's a good, good lead in. I like it. <laughs> you are welcome, sir. We drink our home coffee, and it's whatever. And then we go to our barista, and it tastes so much better. There's sparkles in it. And I don't know if it's because we pay five dollars for that cup of coffee. Magic. And so you just think that it's going to be better, or it actually is better. And my guess is it's actually better. So we're going to talk about. How to make a barista-style cup of coffee in your house. So everything I did not did, or did not do this morning. Right. Yeah. So first and foremost, you got to buy decent coffee beans. Yeah. And they can't be stale. So you yeah. got, you got to package them right. You got, usually put them in like an opaque container where it's airtight because we've talked about this before. Yeah. The oxidation of the coffee beans makes them stale. Mm. So don't let oxygen touch coffee beans. But they also off-gas. So you have to have a release for that off gas if it's going to be stored for a little bit. Is there a special thing I can buy? Yep, there's special coffee valve. That's why the, bur- the coffee bag has that little punch valve thing in it. Oh, you ever yes. seen that on the front? Yeah, it's to let the off gases out of the bag. Is so, it airtight in those bags? No, it's not airtight in those bags. Oh, okay. So you'll need something better. the The first thing you need to adjust your grind. We did a French press this morning. We did. And there was a lot of sediment at the bottom of the cup yeah. of coffee, yeah. right? <laughs> so our grind was too fine and inconsistent for the style of brewing we did. Okay. That makes sense? I like how you're saying we when clearly I'm the one who made the coffee. I was there yeah. in spirit. <laughs> I was there in spirit, okay. you know, supporting. So there's coarse, medium, or fine. Mm-hmm. You can use fine for like an espresso um, machine for an AeroPress. A pour-over coffee, you're going to have more of like a medium fine. A Bialetti pot's a medium, a drip coffee's a medium, a French press is going to be a coarse kind of coffee. Oh, grind. okay, that so, makes sense. See, there's a thing on our setting. Because the filter. Because the filter, paper filter, right. And so uh, the setting on ours, there's usually a setting on your thing, but they always say a burr grinder, a ceramic burr grinder is going to give you the most consistent grounds. And if they're consistent, you're going to get even extraction of flavors from each coffee particle. If you have like big chunks and little fine powders, it's going to be very inconsistent. In your flavors. I, I really enjoy that there's a bunch of scientists out there who are coming up with this and how this has been like a crazy focal point with coffee scientists. They went to coffee school. Yeah. Yeah. How so, do I go to coffee school? I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, the next is uh, brew time. So, so brewing time is very important as well. Yeah. So like our, our French press, we're looking at about four minutes. Not about, we put a timer on for four minutes, right? Which I did. Yep. A mocha pot's about five minutes. An espresso machine takes about two minutes. You know, drip coffee takes however long your machine takes. But if you under-extract or over-extract the flavors, you either get a weak cup of coffee or a bitter cup of coffee. 
That's why if you put yeah. let, let your French press go and you go up and forget about it, you come back down 15 minutes later and you press it, it's probably very bitter. Right. Next one, water temperature. The ideal water temperature, 195 to 205 degrees. Mm. So you can either get out your Bunsen burner set and and decide a little, exactly You can put right. like a candy thermometer. You can you? put a candy thermometer in, but it's about 30 seconds after you take it off a boil. Okay. That's that's the perfect temperature. Right. Too hot, it over extracts, it can be bitter. Not hot enough, it's like a cold brew. It still extracts, it just takes a lot longer to do so. Okay. And it's actually less acidic when you when you brew with cold water or colder water. Oh. But it takes a little bit longer to do. So just, just keep that in mind. Um, and then you have to use filtered water. Mm-hmm. Right? You have to use good quality water because a lot of the, the minerals and fluorides and stuff in our water, we don't really taste when we drink just water. But when you brew it with coffee, it really accentuates that chemical flavor. Right. That's, you know, probably why your barista is using filtered water. It tastes just a little bit fresher and, and better and less, less bitter and, and chemically right. or chemical. And then the last one is the amount of coffee grinds or coffee weight to water ratio. Okay. You have to get that right. And so they have to get a scale and do all that. Now, that being said, I'm not, we're not weighing our water and our coffee beans and putting them together. No. Nope. I kind of know the rough, rough areas for like our espresso, espresso or our um, AeroPress. Yeah, versus or, the... Or the, the, or the French press. Yeah. But, but it does matter. If you put in just not enough coffee beans, same thing. doesn't taste good. Too many coffee beans, you're getting a really weird extraction of that. So the water to coffee has to be perfect. You so, do all of that. Yeah. Then you open up your own barista out of your, out of your kitchen. So like a, I, what I'm confused about is do they do all of this at like Starbucks, Beans and Brews, like the... Yeah, they do it. Jack Mormon coffee stuff. Like, do they, do they? Not, not individually. They come up with a system. Like, like McDonald's doesn't say like, oh, we got the perfect seasoning and you got to put it on these 22 or KFC. We got to put in these 22 spices. Yeah. You got to do it perfectly every time. They send you a chicken that's pre-spiced. Oh, okay. Right? The same thing is with Starbucks or wherever. They know exactly their process that has the perfect weight to water ratio. Yeah. And so they just. The, the person, the barista, whoever just goes through that process and they put in one scoop of beans and then they pour the water over into this pour over cup thing and then it's exactly, it yeah. They, they pull the water out of their, they don't boil it, they pull it out of their already predetermined hot water spigot. Which keeps it to the exact, which keeps it to the okay. exact temperature. Well, it just seems like there are scientists back there. There are scientists. They probably have these kitchens, these like these food labs is right. what they call them. But even like at the locations, like not just, oh, I guarantee like Starbucks and all of oh, them yeah. have their, they have like a literally a place where they yeah. create these things. But, but I mean like even the, like the hubs or not the hubs, the out, out, what would that be? A franchise? The branches. The branches. There uh-huh. we are. Um, I mean like it just seems like so much that they're trying to like learn, like how I know that because I know there's coffee school before you go into some, a lot of coffee places. That would be amazing because it, it seems be like crazy to, to know all the things. I know that you need to make a cup, just a cup of coffee for all the mommies in yoga pants. That's why you need coffee school, and there's a lot to go into fixing a knee or taking out appendix. That's why you have doctor school. <laughs> so these are these are reasons we have so these sorry. things. I'm, so. All right, so that's the coffee segment. So get out there, make yourself a good cup of coffee. Or go buy one. Or just go buy a good cup of coffee at this point. 
And then, uh, and then, yeah, enjoy, enjoy it with your with the people you love. Oh, and don't daydream when you're with the people you love. Mm-mm. Be present, right? Yep, eye contact. Are you gonna say that in your in your thing? Nope. Oh well, I. I but you that, did. That. You said it. Yep. Science of me. <laughs> so let's talk about the action plan. So we'll talk about how to implement successful daydreaming. Let's hope you make the most of it, my boy. Okay. So first. You need to believe that you have time. You need to believe that you have time. Yeah. Go into that one. So you have to have a if belief. If you feel rushed, you won't daydream? No, you won't. If you're surviving, if you feel rushed, if you feel like you're going to die soon, if you have this impending doom situation, if you're worried about the apocalypse, because I know I get into that where I'm like, the apocalypse is coming. Can you um, daydream about the apocalypse though? Yes. Oh. You can, but the problem is, is you, you have to feel like you are in a current safe state. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so, but I, I want you to believe that you're going li- to live until you're 120 and, you know, you'll be like yelling at people with your cane. Mm-hmm. Like, I want you to, to believe that because otherwise you're not going to be able to daydream and daydreaming is, is actually very useful. So, um, next I want you to create like whatever you're learning about, because everybody's learning about something, whether it's your job or a hobby or something, take that information. And I want you to try to daydream about that. Daydream about what you're learning about. Yes, and how you would apply that. So if I'm learning how to skydive, right, then I'm going to daydream and make it a productive daydream by using all the information that I'm learning and applying it to a a situation in which I will actually be using it. Okay, can you be even more grandiose than that? Because I I daydream a lot. Yeah. And I'll like, I'm starting to, to get back into the piano. Mm-hmm. And I'm having a little rough time, and I appreciate it because I'm playing the same song a thousand times for you guys. So I appreciate the patience with yeah, you guys. I love it. But I'll maybe daydream that I'm like a rock star or I'm a concert pianist, and there's like a big crowd of people, and I'm playing amazingly. Is as, that is yes, that productive? Yes, as long yes, as long as it is, as long as you, because you're more than likely not going to become a rock star playing this exact song that you've been playing the family for right. the last six months. Right. But um. But if you're, if you actually are going through the keys, if your view is your view of the piano, if you are in the daydream moving your fingers in the same way, then yes, it is productive. So don't be, don't look at yourself from afar in that situation. Nope. But be in that present moment. First person. That makes more sense. Yeah. Okay. First person. Otherwise doing I'm just daydreaming that I'm a superhero and flying through the air. Like boom. Yeah. Okay. Well, and the same thing, if you're going to take a test, imagine that you're because you're not going to use a lot of the facts that you're going to learn for a paper test, right? Right. But you can you can daydream about you taking that test and finding the exact answer perfect on your test. Like having it having it appear in bold. Oh, yeah. the, like the light comes the light off comes the paper. Yeah. Okay. So um, so really applying it to the a real world world situation, you can use that rock star kind of thing for if you're trying to build confidence and being able to do it, and it makes the stakes higher. Oh, okay. So, like, you, so I mean, you, be, you become more motivated and it becomes more important. Yeah, because, like, oh, this, all these people are wanting me to hear, you know, to play this song. So the stakes are higher and then you have more confidence because they're cheering and thinking it's awesome and so on and so forth. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, if you have dark daydreams, um, or ones where you're being defeated in some way, change it. Just change them up. Change them up. So do something. It's, it's kind of like that lucid dreaming. Where let's say that you are being beat up by somebody, right? Suddenly you become a superhero and you defeat them and you, and then keep going, not only in that, in that situation, but how it would be like as a superhero, superhero to be um, powerful 
to be, have justice and all this kind okay. of stuff. So if you have um, a daydream about being yelled at by your boss, mm-hmm. then have one where you are the boss. Right. And you're, and you're, you're being kind to your employees. You're being employees kind to your and, and you're doing what you want to do. And, right. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, because, because the thing is, is that when we daydream about these negative things, they do have an effect on us and they can change our mood. And, and the same thing, moms have a lot of morbid thoughts about how their kids are going to die. Sure. Like, and, and we want to see that as productive because we're paying attention to cues that they could get hurt in some way. But then you need to move on to the next section of like how we're going to prevent that or how we're going to, you know, deal with that situation. If they were attacked by a cougar, what would we do? Right. And therefore, it's a productive daydream and not just a negative sad daydream thought okay Okay. so um make sure that you're safe and survival which means if you have anxiety you need to be in a relatively calm state so if you get anxious at school you're probably not daydreaming at school okay so you want to be nice and calm and then people it's hard because daydreaming is comforting it is mindful it is um something to kind of create peace in our bodies so you can use meditation in a way of daydreaming and this is Oh, so do they do they correlate like with yeah, brain so, brainwave functions? And, and things? that's part of the complication of define, defining a daydream. Okay. Because people who are in meditative states also will have kind of where they have like these sources of information coming to them, or they find themselves kind of mulling over a specific incident. Right. right? That technically could be daydreaming, but they have entered that state in. Um, and attempting to meditate or clear their brain or whatever they're looking to do a purposeful way. Right. And so, but that means that we can elicit a very similar brain state through meditation and correlate this, this, uh, uh, kind of whatever daydreaming information that we want to implement in there and make it a productive meditation (laughs) daydream state. Does that make sense? That makes sense. So, so if, if you're having a hard time, like figuring out when exactly you are daydreaming, try to meditate and then implement some of these things that you're finding that you're daydreaming about. Okay. Because if you're daydreaming really negative, bring that into the meditation and flip it on its head. Okay. Because you don't have to meditate. Meditating doesn't have to be just clear your mind. Don't think any thoughts. Nope. Yeah. It can be very productive. Yeah. Okay. So, so I would, I would say to try to do that at least once a day because you're daydreaming anyway. Right. But, but maybe first pay attention to how you're daydreaming and then try to implement it so it's more per, uh, productive and positive. Okay. And then next time your boss comes over and says, hey, are you zoning out? Just looking out the window? You say... No, sir. I am daydreaming about increasing the productivity of myself and this company. Ooh. And he'll say, come to the corner office. <laughs> Put your name on the door. So, but okay. But I like for, that, yeah. But for real, get out there. Don't be um, ashamed of your daydreaming. Mm-mm. Just make it more productive. Yeah. And build a better you. Good job, guys. We'll see ya.